Welcome to a much delayed yet new episode of Land Grant Holy Land Stick to Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Tamanini, and as always, I am joined by the one and only Tia Johnston. Tia, welcome back. Thank you. It's been a while. <laughs> it has. It's been like a month and a half since we did an episode, I think, or something like that. Um, at the end of the football season, we took a little break, and then you, because of, for pandemic reasons, were forced to take a a <laughs> honeymoon like a year after getting married. Um, so we are very happy to have you back. Thank you very much. It's good to be back. All right. We are going to talk about all of the things that are important with Ohio State basketball now, because whether or not you know it, it's basketball postseason time. So we're going to get into all of that in just a second. But just in case you forgot what we do here on Stick to Sports, we talk about the things around the periphery of Ohio State athletics, as well as the things that keep us entertained and distracted in between the games. So, Tia, as I said, we are just days away. But the day that this comes out will be the first day of the Big Ten men's basketball tournament as far as Ohio State is concerned. Because they are the number five seed, they have a bye, so they do not have to play on Wednesday. They will start their postseason on Thursday at roughly 2 p.m., I'm guessing. They are technically slated to start 25 minutes after the 11.30 game ends. The 11.30 game will be between number 8 Maryland number 9 Michigan State. Ohio State will then play 20 minutes after that game is done, and they will play the winner of Wednesday's game between number 12 Northwestern and number 13 Minnesota. Interestingly enough, though Ohio State is a much higher-seeded team than both of the teams that they will end up facing on on Thursday, or either of the teams they could end up facing on Thursday, they've actually lost to both of them this year, although they did get some revenge against uh, Northwestern in their rematch. They've only played Minnesota once, um, which they lost, but... We want to talk a little bit about what happened at the end of the men's basketball season to kind of get folks into the postseason, because we know a lot of people only start paying attention to college basketball now, basically, um, when it gets to March. Tia, you are obviously not included. You are a basketball expert. So <laughs> so we will rely on your Did expertise you and insight. Did you catch the sarcasm there? <laughs> I mean... You are the uh, co-managing editor of an Ohio State I mean, blog, so I mean, I would think you knew something about Ohio hey, State basketball. Hey, but my co-managing editor, Gene, is all in, so it's like we equal each okay. other out. <laughs> okay, that's fair. That's fair. Did you know, Tia, that at one point, like less than a month ago, um, Ohio State was ranked as high as number four in the country? Did you know that? Oh, yeah. Okay. No, like Cam, my husband, is like not into basketball at all it like is not that big in australia and he was even tuning in he's like wait i is ohio state basketball good this year he's like turning on the michigan game i'm like yeah yeah i mean it was literally like two weeks ago they were still number four in the country they were number four for three straight weeks but since february 21st they have lost four straight games and those games were mostly pretty close. Three of the four games that they lost were either by four or five points, and they were against some really good teams. The first one they lost was against, at the time, number three, Michigan. That was a five-point loss at Value City Arena. They followed that up a few days later by losing to Michigan State at the Breslin Center. And even though Michigan State is not great this season, they are the number nine seed, as I mentioned earlier in the Big Ten Tournament. They've been playing super well lately down the stretch, and they actually beat Michigan to close out the regular season. That was um, a four-point loss. Then Ohio State hosted Iowa, who was number nine at the time, and got 
got the doors blown off of them 73 to 57. And then Ohio State again hosted um, another top ranked team, number four, Illinois. This was this past Saturday, and that also was a five point loss, 73 to 68. So even though they haven't won in their past four games, they are still a top 10 team. They are number nine in the country heading into the postseason, which is funny because they're number nine. Uh, in the country, and yet fifth in the Big Ten. So, Tia, that tells you that the Big Ten is really, really good at basketball this season. Yeah, so how much weight do those losses yeah. carry? Well, I mean, they, they're, they're obviously losses, which is something that you never want to have. But I had a podcast episode that will come out on Wednesday, so the day before you were able to hear this, uh, when I talked with former Ohio State towel waiver Joey Lane, and kind of talked about, like, what happened? Was it something that went wrong for Ohio State? Or was it just, like, they weren't playing as well and they were playing really good teams? And he said it's, it's a little bit of both. Like, um, it looked like they were maybe a little tired or things weren't clicking as well. But it's just you have a run of, against four really good teams to close out a season. You know, you'd like to win half of them, but things just didn't go their way. And they were three of those games were very winnable. In fact, two of them, they had late leads that they gave up. So um, I Joey was not super worried about where the team was. Obviously, he recognized that there were things that needed to get fixed, but he wasn't like saying, oh, my God, they're terrible. Ohio State basketball is never going to be any good. Like he thought that there <laughs> was some potential. And, and to be honest to you, he actually said that he thought that they, he's getting a feeling, just a gut feeling that Ohio State might be cutting down the nets in Indianapolis for the Big Ten tournament. So he just said he, he, he's got a Ooh. feeling, um, he's got a fever, all he needs is a little more cowbell, but he thought that it might be time for Ohio State to go on a run, um, which would be really cool. If we haven't seen that um, in a while, I don't remember the last time Ohio State won the Big Ten tournament, but they did it a number of times uh, under Thad, but obviously hasn't happened uh, uh, in quite a while. I trust Joey. Also, <laughs> is this a bigger break than Ohio State has gotten between when they played Illinois and then when they're playing Thursday? No, that's normal. I mean, there were Big Ten teams that played their final regular season games on Sunday, but the bracket is set up as normal. Normally, they start on Wednesdays, and then the re those are just the four lowest-seeded teams, and then the next group of teams, basically five through ten, all start on Thursday. And then the top four teams uh, start on Friday. They get a double bye. Um, so they effectively start in the quarterfinals. Ohio State has to win on Thursday to make the quarterfinals of the top eight teams in the tournament. So this is normal. But what is different, Tia, is, and this is something I talked about with Joey as well, Ohio State um, is is going to be in the Big Ten tournament in Indianapolis, as it is generally every other year, not every other year because they did do it in Madison Square Garden one time, which was stupid. But they are doing it in Indianapolis. <laughs> but what's interesting is the fact that the entire NCAA tournament is also going to be either in or around Indianapolis as well. There's a ton of sites in Indianapolis, they're even going to like Bloomington and maybe even West Lafayette. I'm not 100% sure about that. Um, but effectively, they could be leaving whenever they leave, I'm assuming maybe Tuesday or Wednesday to head out to Indianapolis. They could theoretically be staying there until April or whenever the NCAA tournament ends. So uh, that's a, an interesting thing. So it might be better in the early rounds that... Um, they don't have yeah. to travel back and forth. Generally, if you say win the Big Ten tournament, then you go back to your 
um, you know, in Ohio State's case to Columbus. And then you find out, you know, you find out where you're going and then you travel to go there. And so this might be an advantage for the team to not have to do all that extra traveling to just be able to stay in one hotel location um, throughout the course of, of the postseason. I love this. Like, I know we did an episode before I left and it was kind of like our first edition of like Ohio yeah. State basketball for dummies, <laughs> which is like <laughs> coming from somebody who hasn't been following as closely as I should. I would totally listen to this podcast if I like weren't recording it with you. So just from that perspective, the question that I would be wondering is, are we like completely healthy? Like, are there any... Because I, I saw some like rumblings about Kyle Young. Like, what's the update on that? Yeah, um, everybody is healthy-ish. Kyle Young missed a couple games after sustaining a concussion, but he's played in the last two games. So, I mean, I think he's as healthy as Kyle Young ever is. He has a history of kind of getting beaten up, which you watch him play, you kind of understand that nobody's going to be 100% healthy. It's like with football. Once you get to bowl season or the college football playoff, everybody's got dings and stuff. Um, Seth Towns is still not 100%, which we've kind of known throughout the season. He missed the last two seasons with knee injuries when he was at Harvard. He transferred to Ohio State. And honestly, I think if it hadn't been for the pandemic giving him an extra year, probably wouldn't have played it all this year. But Chris Holtman has said he'll be back next year, and that's when you're going to see the real Seth Towns. Um, Musa Jallo missed the entire season last year, and has kind of played a little bit sparingly here and there this season. I don't think he's 100% back. Although, Joey Lane did think that because Musa Jallo is such a defensive specialist, that uh, Chris Holtman could be giving him some extra time in the postseason. But those are really the only ones who are majorly injured. C.J. Walker was out for a while, but he's been back. He started the last game against Illinois. Uh, and had a, a pretty good game as well. So he doesn't seem to be too worse for wear. It was his offhand, um, the thumb ligaments in his offhand um, was what was bothering him. But he seems to be at least close to being 100%. So I don't think any of the major players are, you know, they might be beaten up a little bit through the course of a really tough Big Ten season. But they're not hurt, hurt, which is which is a good thing to be going into a postseason yeah, like this. that sounds promising. Yeah, and what's cool about it is, is we are recording just shortly after the Big Ten released their um, all-conference teams and honorees. Um, Ohio State's EJ Liddell did make the first team um, by the coaches vote. He was second team by the media, but as we all know, the media is dumb and doesn't know what they're talking about. Dwayne Washington <laughs> Jr. made the third team for both the coaches and the media. And the aforementioned Kyle Young was named Ohio State's representative to the Big Ten Sportsmanship Award honorees list. So every team in the in the conference has a representative on that team, and Kyle Young was Ohio State's representative. So this is this is really cool, Tia, because as I'm sure you are well aware. Um, EJ Liddell is only a sophomore. Dwayne Washington Jr. is only a junior. They both are able to come back next year, and I think they both will. I can't imagine either of them leaving after this season. Oh, that's but they're exciting. both they they both stepped up a lot. I mean, Dwayne has had a um a pretty big role on this team since his freshman year, but he's really stepped up to become one of, if not, I mean, I, I think EJ Liddell is the best player on the team, but I think Dwayne's probably other than like a three game skid in January, like he's the most consistent score for the team so this is really fun to kind of see them blossoming and to be able to kind of take this stuff 
into the postseason. Yeah, I had no idea that they would both be back next year. I feel like basketball players are gone before you even yeah. know who they are. Yeah, now technically they could. Um, and we know that even though CJ Walker, he's a senior this year, um, but because of the COVID situation, the NCAA giving team or everybody um, on all teams the ability to come back next year, CJ Walker has said he will not come back next year. He has a two-year-old daughter. He's going to go and try to play professionally. I imagine he will be be a very successful point guard in some overseas league, whether that's in Europe or Asia um, or somewhere or Australia even. Um, he will be gone. Kyle Young, on the other hand, he's the other legitimate senior on this team. Those were the two guys that were recognized on senior day on Saturday. He has said that he's not sure what he's going to do. He's missed so much time in various seasons that I wouldn't be surprised if he tries to come back and give it another go to try to get a full season under his belt. He's not an NBA player, but he's another one of those guys who I think could end up having a really good career overseas. A guy like Dallas Lauderdale who played forever overseas. He might still be playing. Like The Ohio State's had a lot of really service above average players go on to have really strong careers where they probably made a pretty decent amount of money playing basketball overseas. And look, Ohio State's not loaded with a ton of NBA talent, although I love Jay Sean Tate turning into a, an NBA starter out of nowhere. Um, so it's just cool to know that these guys are being able to play somewhere and to continue their careers as professionals. Uh, a couple things here real quick that I do want to mention. On Tuesday, so just a few hours before we are recording this, um, our Connor Lamans went through and did a pre-Big Ten tournament bracket update for Ohio State, and he went through all of like the best bracketologists to see where they had Ohio State. And the it was a unanimous consensus that Ohio State is currently a number two seed in the NCAA tournament. I think they've lost their opportunity to be a number one seed. But assuming they get a win or two in the Big Ten tournament, which um, should be very possible, they should obviously are going to be heavily favored to get a win. But if they're able to beat Purdue and get a second win, that should definitely cement their chance to be an, uh, a number two seed. So, it, you know, it's shaping up to be a really good opportunity for Ohio State to get to the Sweet 16, which would be the first time they've done it since uh, 2013. Chris Holtman's gotten his team to the NCAA tournament twice before this year. Obviously, last season they would have been in, but there was no tournament. Um, and they've lost in the round of 32 both times. So if they are able to make it to the Sweet 16 this year, that would be a first for Chris Holtman's Ohio State squad. I am the first to admit that this is when I tune into college basketball pretty much every year. And I'm going to put Ohio State as my national champion again. <laughs> I just am. shocked. Didn't you do that last year too? I pretty much do it every year. And I know like I read okay. Connor's story and I know Gonzaga and Baylor are in a world of their own, but I don't care. It's March. Okay. Look, <laughs> hey, you never know. Crazier things have happened. For sure. Uh, not many, but uh, no, definitely crazier things have happened. So we <laughs> will we will have to see how that goes. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
All right, uh, Tia, that is the kind of the basketball recap. If you want a little bit more in-depth, go back and listen to the previous episode in this podcast feed where I talked to Joey Lane about not only the Buckeyes, but the Big Ten tournament, the NCAA tournament, and where um, that all kind of shakes up. He had some obviously some great insight on this team having played two years for chris holtman and i think you will uh you all really appreciate that stuff to kind of give you some really good insight and perspective to the team before uh, they take the floor uh later this afternoon all right so tia that's the main story right now um and it probably will be until the end of the ncaa tournament but The story that is kind of running underneath all of this basketball talk is the lead up to the NFL draft. And you mentioned to me that one of the things that you wanted to kind of talk about was the absolute utter disrespect that one Justin Fields has been receiving amongst amongst draft analysts. And I wrote something about this a few weeks ago, you know, during our podcast hiatus. Obviously, you've still been writing and, and editing stuff during that time, but we haven't had a chance to talk about that. So I will just kind of let you get this off your chest and we can go from there. Yeah, this all kind of like sparked my interest because I did a whole story about Justin Fields, like what the experts are saying, what other teams are saying, and just to get a feel for where they think Justin Fields will land. And I knew that people were ranking him as the third best quarterback in the draft, which that's fine. But I saw somebody put him as far as like number 24 to the Steelers and out of the top 10. And I'm sorry, but those people did, they have not watched Justin Fields. Maybe they watched the Indiana game. I don't know what they watched, but they have not watched his career. Most of the analysts have him going in the top 10. And their issues with him are what we already know as Buckeye fans is that he just throws to the primary target. He plants his feet. He takes forever. But one quote that I loved from Bleeding Green Nation, which is SB Nation's Eagles website, because they did a whole breakdown of Justin Fields. They're a team that... Well, before the news broke that Jalen Hurts has been deemed their number one quarterback, there were rumors that they might pick Justin Fields. Whoever wrote this article, he said... I think it it was Ben Natan, a a friend of mine. Yeah. Yeah. And he said that that doesn't usually cause problems for Fields because he is too accurate. He has too strong of an arm. And his first read is almost universally the right read. So if you watch Justin Fields like more than two games, you will see that. And Northwestern and Indiana just does not paint the whole picture for Justin Fields. And then we we don't even have to get into what your article is about, but there's that that whole thing where you can apply it to Jalen Hurts and Lamar Jackson and, you know, Sean Watson. Yeah, like, Kyler Murray. All it those, goes deeper yeah. than that. Yeah, Well, and here's sure. the thing. We, in, in an article that um, uh, Brett Ludwigsack, I can never pronounce Brett's <laughs> last name, one of our, uh, one of our writers, um, he had a tweet in there that actually broke down Justin Fields' passes this season. Only 61% went to the first read. So, Yes, that's a high number, uh, 61%, but as Ben's article noted, it's usually the right read. But number two, when you have one of the best wide receiving duos in the country in Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, of course you're going to go to one of your first two receivers because they're going to be right. open a lot. <laughs> you know, it's just dumb. And, and it, you know, like you said, I wrote a whole article about how 
it's it's not surprising when black quarterbacks are uh, deemed as you know effectively not being smart enough to play quarterback at the NFL level. This is something that we've been seeing literally since the beginning of the NFL, but it's just not true in, in Justin Fields' case, and it's not true in most cases. But I mean, when we're talking about Justin Fields, like he is one of the best throwers and readers of defensives in the country. Is he as good as Trevor Lawrence? Probably not. Uh, you know, I'm what? fine, and I wrote in my article, like, Trevor Lawrence is undoubtedly the best quarterback in the draft, as far as I'm concerned. But when you've got nincompoops like Chris Sims, having him as the fifth quarterback in the country behind <laughs> Kellen Mond, like, just stop. No. Like, you know, it, it, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people have... Uh, Zach Wilson from BYU ahead of Justin Fields or or Trey Lance from uh, North Dakota State ahead of Justin Fields. It's like just put on their film. Ohio State is obviously always going to have better talent than their opponents, but they're also playing better opposition than BYU in North Dakota State. And I even argued in my article that Trey Lance quarterbacking the Bison is going to have a better talent advantage over his opponents playing in, you know, FCS than Ohio State does playing the also reigns of the Big Ten. It just doesn't make sense to you. And it's just dumb. And it's, as I said, it's people telling on themselves and pulling out the biggest dog whistle they possibly can. I mean, look, is he perfect? Is he ready to be a Super Bowl winning quarterback in his first season? No, of course not. I mean, all, you know, the, the vast majority of rookie NFL quarterbacks struggle. Um, unless they find themselves in a perfect situation. But he has the tools to do it. And if he hits the right situation, and I'll be honest with you, Tia, like I kind of, I mean, I hated seeing him drop down draft boards because that sucks for him and it's not fair. And he should, you know, get all the money and the accolades of coming from being a top pick. But a part of me was kind of like, you know what? Like, I don't mind him if he does slide down. Because that means he's probably going to end up on a better team and have a better chance for success. Like, I wouldn't mind him going yeah. to, you know, I don't even know where the Patriots uh, draft um, uh, this year. But I think it's in the middle because they didn't make the playoffs. So if he got drafted by them or or even Pittsburgh, right. get rid of that bum rapist uh, Big Ben and and have Justin Fields and Dwayne Haskins be the two quarterbacks in, in Pittsburgh since they picked up uh, Dwayne after he got let go by Washington. Like, I would much prefer him go to a team that's competent than a lot of these crappy teams that are, um, yeah. you know, drafting early. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> drafting early in the first round. Yeah, I'm super excited for this draft because Ohio State players are all over it. And I feel like last year, it was just this unanimous decision that Chase Young was going to go two and Okuda was going to go three. And we all knew it. There was like no wavering from that. And this year, it's like, what is happening? Yeah, yeah it's weird. Like, you don't know where some of like the uh, the linemen, other offensive or defensive linemen are going to go. It's just a weird, weird thing. And obviously, we will get into that a lot at Land Grant Holy Land as things get closer, both on on the website and in podcasts. But just I think I can speak for for you, Tia, and I'll just say any draft analysts out there or scouts for NFL teams, dra- draft Justin Fields if you need a quarterback. Like, just don't be stupid. <laughs> like, just just do the right yeah, thing. Just listen to us. Yeah, seriously, we are experts <laughs> at constructing NFL teams. <laughs> All right, Tia, let's get into our favorite segment of every episode where we make 
uh, recommendations of things that we think other people should do, watch, read, see, whatever. Do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? You can go first. Okay, I did something um, as one of my side hustles a few weeks ago where I got a press invite to do an immersive online thing. And I don't want to, I don't want to say exactly it's a, it's just, it's hard to describe. It was called Plymouth Point. It is from a company called Swamp Motel, which is based in the UK. Um, But they are, it was founded by two people who are part of the most well-known theater group that does like immersive theater. And so they wanted to construct things and experiences and entertainment that is interactive and immersive, but obviously, especially during the pandemic, done virtually. So I did Plymouth Point, which is one of the three experiences that they have going on right now. And effectively what it is, is you show up on a Zoom call and you are part of like, this neighborhood watch type thing for an apartment building in London. And the old lady who is running the uh, the neighborhood watch says one of her neighbors in the building has gone missing. But because she's old, she doesn't... It's, the, it's a young lady who's gone missing. But because the lady who's running the, uh, the neighborhood watch is old, she doesn't really understand the internet. So she needs you to like go through Facebook and email and stuff to figure out what's going on. So you go through real Facebook and real websites and watch real videos and all this stuff to try to figure out what happened to this young woman. And what's cool about it is I did it by myself because I was doing it as a, as a press thing for review, but you can do it with other people, either people that are in the room with you, or you can do it with up to six total people And you share your screen so that you're doing it virtually with other people watching what you're doing and like saying, oh, go to that website or point on that, click on that. So that you're doing it virtually, basically like just one big Zoom party. So it was tons of fun. Um, Dominic Moynihan, who was on Lost and in all the Lord of the Rings movie, he has a a small little cameo in it as well, which is fun. And it was it's only like it was like an hour long. Um, uh, it can go up to an hour and fifteen minutes if you need more time to figure things out. But it was a ton of fun. I really enjoyed it. I love this kind of like mystery stuff. They have two other ones called The Mermaid's Tongue and The Kindling Hour, which I'm going to be checking out as well. And depending on which one you do, it's either like you pay a certain amount for like a whole team or you pay like per individual person doing it, but it's really, really cool. I did Plymouth Point from Swamp Motel, but I highly recommend any of their things. Okay, two things. One, you have like the coolest jobs ever. <laughs> two. Something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is so funny because Cam and I just watched the Cecil Hotel documentary oh, on yeah. Netflix. Uh-huh. Well, half of it because yeah. I got too scared, <laughs> but the two police officers who were like in charge of finding the girl and it kind of focused primarily on them. I, and I always say this when we watch something similar, like I would love that job to just literally like investigate and search and like creep on Facebook. And I like doing it even when it's like not as serious. (laughs) So I always say like a police investigator is like my dream job. So this sounds so much fun. It's it is it's a ton of fun and I think it's probably even better if you're doing it with other people like because I you know again I was doing it for work purposes so I was just kind of doing it on my own but like uh I think it's got to be really cool to have other people throwing out suggestions and stuff to uh you know to find out what yeah. happened to 
to Ivy, who's the the young woman who has disappeared. So I will send you a link, Tia, so you can put this in the show notes uh, and people can talk about that. Yes. So what do you have uh, to recommend? This is mostly just because I kind of want to talk about it because I'm sure every single person in the entire world has watched it already. The... Meghan Markle and Oprah interview. Okay, I have I did not watch it. Um, okay. Is it available somewhere else to watch, do you know? That is a good question, and I should have looked that up before I recommended it. Okay. But I'm sure it will be at no, no, some No, no, that's point. okay. Like, and I'm sure it's on YouTube. But I, I wasn't going to watch it, actually, even yeah. though, like, I'm obsessed with Meghan Markle, but I kind of forgot about it. Like I said, like... The time difference from our trip has just killed me and I wanted to go to bed at like 7 um, and this thing went until 10. <laughs> and then my best friend texted me and she's like, you need to turn this on. And I'm sure you've seen it all over Twitter, yeah. but my mouth dropped like 15 different times. I'm not going to like say too much. Again, you've seen it all on Twitter, but just the stuff that Megan and Harry were willing to say about that screwed up royal family is just crazy. And I feel like this is going to be talked about for like centuries. Like this is going to be like a historic interview. So I highly recommend you watch it because it is wild. And if they talked about all this stuff, was there stuff they weren't willing to talk about? (laughs) You know? Right. That's what I said too. Like this is the stuff that he was like, okay, we can say this. And Oprah was like kind of trying to prod at them and be like, oh, but like who and what did, how did it start and all this? And he was like... I'm not willing to say. So there has to be some other stuff where, oh, and I know that they won't because England worships them, but they need to like be taken down. The palace needs to be like abandoned. That family needs to just cease to be royal or whatever they call themselves because of this interview. Yeah. Just before we started recording, they put out an official statement from Buckingham Palace and Oh, they yeah, did? like it was they paid lip service to like, oh, it's terrible that what they've gone through. And even though recollections of certain yeah. events might vary. So they're basically being like, OK, they don't know what they're yeah. talking about, but we'll deal with it. OK, she said, she yeah. said, yeah, it's just, uh, uh, you know, and it's just ridiculous. The people who, again, going back to what I talked about earlier with Justin Fields, who come out and immediately tell on themselves people like Pierce Morgan and Megan Kelly. It's like, oh. All of the racists are coming yeah. out to play today. Yeah, which is all of England, apparently. I made the mistake of reading the comments yeah. of, like, one of oh. England's press releases, and all the English people are like, it's he said, she said, and how can we believe what they're saying? And, like, Megan's doing this on purpose, and it's just horrendous. That whole country is just a bad, bad place. <laughs> yeah, here, here's the actual statement. The following statement is issued by Buckingham Palace on behalf of Her Majesty the Queen. The whole family is saddened to learn the full extent of how challenging the last few years have been for Harry and Meghan. The issues raised, particularly that of race, are concerning. Put it mildly. Um, (laughs) While some recollections may vary, they are taken very seriously and will be addressed by the family privately. Sure they will. Um, (laughs) Harry, Meghan, and Archie will always be much-loved members, uh, much-loved family members. Now, I will say, just to, you know, to be fair here, um, both Harry and Meghan did go out of their way to say that they this was not coming from the queen or prince philip right so they from what i understand i didn't watch it (laughs) you did um yeah it's charles um so you know i i can imagine a 174 year old queen might not have known everything that was going on so i will give her a twinge of benefit of the doubt just because harry and megan went out of their way to say that she wasn't involved. Yeah. And the the way Megan... Harry was a little bit more reserved to like... He wasn't as sure, willing to kind of yeah. trash... Yeah. And it's all he knows. 
Megan was like ruthless. Like she's like, I don't care who I take down. But for her to literally come out of her way and be like, the queen was nothing but nice to me. Like she didn't have to do that, which kind of proves that yeah. she's just old. Like <laughs> she doesn't know what is happening. I don't think so. Yeah, we can give her the benefit of the doubt. Long live the queen, whatever. But the rest of them, oh, no. <laughs> well, she's going to have to lo- live a long time. Like unless they tear down the monarchy, yeah. like you said, she's going to have to live a long time because uh, who knows when Charles is going to die and no one wants him to be. I know. Him. I saw a tweet that was like, she's trying to outlive that a-hole. <laughs> and she has been for like four decades because she knows he's a piece of shit. Anyway, uh, yeah, I'm gonna have to watch it. Like, I I forget what I was doing on on Saturday Sunday night. I was um, I was working. I was recording a podcast, and then I think it, that happened, and it was just so much going on because um, it was like there was like that. There was the NBA All Star Game. There was the Critics Choice Awards. Like, there was so oh, much. Twitter was bonkers on Sunday night trying to keep up with everything that was going on. I know, it was like a perfect mix. Yeah, a little bit of something for everybody. All right, well, Tia, um, unless you have any parting words of wisdom, I think that's all that we have for today. Thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode of Land Grant Holy Land Stick to Sport Podcast. If you are finding this episode on our website, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your daily dose of podcasting goodness. And if you like our particular brand of weirdness, leave us a rating and review. Uh, also, you can follow Land Grant Holy Land on Twitter at LandGrant33, and you can find me on Twitter at BWWMatt. Tia, what's the uh, the handle this time? I am at Tia Johnston underscore, and my dogs, which have been a tragic injured mess lately, is at Buddy and Bella underscore. You can keep up with their Aww. healing process. <laughs> That's so bad. It's gonna be it's gonna be like a month, isn't it? Yes, of keeping our psychotic dog off of his broken foot. So yeah, yeah, that seems. For me. Yeah, that that seems difficult. <laughs> Um, Either way, we want to thank all 2.75 of you for listening. We will talk to you soon. And as always, go Bucks.